In this episode, we will be talking about alternatives to punishment from the book, How to Talk to Kids So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. If this is the first time you're listening, please go back to episode 46, where we give our intro to this book club series. Raising bilingual children can be a challenge. That's why we have serial dates, where we discuss our experiences and grow as a bilingual family. Let's get cereal, cereal. I wanna get cereal. Let's get cereal. <laughs> no. <coughs> Welcome back to Cereal Dates, everybody. Bienvenidos. What? <laughs> I always love our intros. We always like look at each other weird, and you're like, "Oh my god, here he is. He's about to well, do it again." We're sitting. Next to each other, so it's kind well, of I mean, hard to... it's that look you give me, like, here he goes with his, welcome to Syria, Gates. Yeah. It's it's fun. I like putting on my radio voice. Don't you know? We have a face for radio. You do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> this is our serial date episode something or other. 50. 50. This is 50? Yes. Are you sure? Yes, I am sure. 100% positive? Yes. Even though we said the la, that we had to go back to la, episode 46, it looks like this is going to be episode 49. If we count the intro, it'll be 50. The intro The is intro doesn't have... 46. No. The intro, then acknowledging the feelings is 47. Our, the intro to our entire podcast. Oh. Yes. This is our actual... Does that one not have a no. number? My bad. So this is episode 50. 50. 50. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we're going to be going over chapter three, alternatives to punishments. All right. So now let's just jump into the meat and potatoes of this episode and start with the most important thing. And that is what are the age? That's the most important thing. Yeah, we got it. Because we it helps us remember what our, the, our kids' ages are. Because you know when you're like out and about and people are like, oh, how old are you they? And you're just like thinking like, huh? Well, that's never happened to me. Well, it doesn't happen anymore <laughs> because it used to be like, oh, they're 1,700 months old. and <laughs> They are three in one. Three in one. Yes. So Mateo is three. Elias is one. We just got done celebrating their birthdays recently. And we got them the nugget. And if you guys haven't looked up the nugget, you got to look it up. That thing is awesome. And the kids love it. Mateo has turned his into a car wash. And a boat and a mountain and anything. But he always goes back to the car wash. That's true. He so. loves that. Now it's time for our parenting moment. Woohoo! So Mateo has been having a respiratory infection. He has a respiratory upper, upper infection. Respiratory infection. It kind of reminds me of me when I was in school and in college, where I would only get sick during the breaks. You still do. I still do. Right. As a teacher. It's like my body just waits <laughs> long enough. It's like, I'm holding on. And then it's the break and I get sick. But if you think about it, like Mateo got sick during Christmas last year. He doesn't get sick often, but yeah, we're in fall break and he got sick. So it's been a struggle. Um, yeah, the struggle bus this when, week's been When quite both tough. of them want to like be with me. Actually, Elias really loves being with you. Like, in fact, Elias calls John Mama. <laughs> oh, really? You're going to tell everybody that? What? I think that's awesome. <laughs> like, I it, it didn't really click until one day. John was still sleeping, and I had to go in the room. Mateo was still sleeping, too. I was holding Elias. We went into the room, I thought, quietly. He was quiet. He was just hanging out. The minute we get in the room, he starts yelling, Mama, 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 and, like, pointing to John, trying to wake you up. <laughs> I told him, that's yeah. Papa. Mm, thank you, Elias. You, you make me feel good. Yeah. Yeah, kids act in weird ways. You know, Mateo wouldn't really show he was being extremely sick unless you were in front of him because he would really want that nurturing feeling mm -hmm. that that hold me close. Yeah, like when I was away, you said he was he he's doing great. 
And then the minute I would get home, he's like, oh, I don't, no me siento muy bien. Oh, no, I don't yeah. feel good. But it wasn't like he was faking it at all. It's like he was holding it together. I was telling my mom, it's similar to when you, well, in the past, maybe you went to work sick, like you had to. And you can't do that anymore, but. <laughs> and when you would come home, you would just be like, oh, you would, you would hold, you know, you would work through it and be fine. But then you got home and you got to like, please baby me. Because yeah. you, that's how really how you felt. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh yeah. John was sick the other day and well sick. I'm doing quote air quotes. And he was like, I just got to go to sleep. I, I think I'm running a temperature. Blah, blah. And, and I then, was running then, a temperature. Like I was okay. running 101. Okay. And then. And you saw it. So then, don't discredit me. Then I said, oh, man, if you're, if you're really sick, I don't think you can go to war tomorrow. And then he was like, he literally got up off the bed. and was like, no, I mean, I'm not that sick. And yeah. I just don't like being sick. Right. So. <laughs> sorry. So that's our parenting moment. Sick kids surviving, trying not to kill each other. Who's yeah. going to take care of who? With that, let's jump into chapter three, alternatives to punishments. This is going to be a very controversial um, chapter for many people, I think. Maybe. It could have been for me easily. Yeah, I yeah definitely. Because I definitely grew up <laughs> in the spanking realm. Well, I did. T- I did too. I, I I wouldn't like no, in comparison. Grew, in comparison, right? In, in comparison realm. to your to your family, I guess the way that you were brought up, it doesn't seem like it. But I was spanked, and I think that it's easy to say, like, "Well, I was spanked. I turned out fine," or like, "I was punished in some way. Like, I was in timeout. I turned out fine," or how, whatever it is. Um, and I think it is our job to improve yeah you know not just do things the way that they were done just because and also to say i turned out fine like we have a lot of let's be real none of us are really fine but people but people (laughs) say that people right and i i may have said that in the past like like i like the way i turned out maybe i should just do everything exactly the same but i think it's important for us to Look at our faults too, like not look at our mistakes, not mistakes, but where we, what is it called? I can't think of it. Flaws? Yes. Look at our flaws and examine like, where did that come from? And, you know. How do I prevent? How do I not prevent, but like, how can I improve? You know, because that's what we want. We want our children to be better than we, we are. I want my grandkids to be better than my kids. Like, it's just, that's how we grow and that's how we leave a legacy. And that's how um, we ultimately make the world a better place. Even if we can't do it in our lifetime, it's the things that we pass down. Right. And, and you know, the ideas and the, I don't know, lessons. That we passed down. The experiences, the stories. Absolutely. And my legacy is going to be the tickle monster. (laughs) It's the truth. They love when I tickle them. Yeah. I mean, Mateo today is like, can you tickle me, please? Can you tickle me, please? (laughs) Mind you, he's just getting over getting sick. And he's like, get the fuck. Can you tickle me, please? (laughs) (laughs) Of course. How can I say no? Yeah. So... Alternatives to punishment. I grew up in a very spanking, accepting family. It was one of those that if I deserved a whooping, especially with a belt, a whooping. that's that's what we called it. Uh-huh. You're, gonna, you're about to get a whooping. That's how that's how your dad said it. Yeah, he would. Huh. And then he, <laughs> and then he would grab his belt, and in one single draw. He would unsheath oh, it was, his it belts was with, with, your, the with a belt. Yeah, I got whipped with a belt, Jeez. and it was usually by like a um, like if you if you know Levi's. John's dad, you would be like, no, no way. Well, he only had to belt me like three times. After that, I, I never did anything again, and I turned out fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, resist. But one thing my dad told me growing up is he wanted to be a better parent than his parents. Right. He wanted to provide me with the things that they couldn't, whether it be opportunity, lessons, 
you know, information and experiences. Mm-hmm. And I'll be damned if I don't do the same for my kids. I want to be a better parent than my dad was and my mom was. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. Well, no, but, but I think no, that that's. I want to improve. It's not. It's not that I want to be yeah. better. It's. I want to improve. It's just an easier way to say it that way. I want to improve on the things that they did well, and I want to make sure that I better the things mm-hmm. that they did wrong. That I, also, I that I believe is wrong right. or different. I also think that every parent is doing the best they can with their current situation. So. Your parents were doing the best that they could with the knowledge they had and, and their situation that they were in. Mm-hmm. And my parents too. So it's not about like, it's not that we're doing this because we we're being different because we suffered so much or because, right, right. you know, we just don't want our kids to have such a childhood or something like, like it's right. not at all that way. It's just. I think it's more, we lived a great life. Right. And, and we want to continue I think, that I think and also, be better. Right. I think uh, it is a testament of our parents' parenting that we have an open mind to want to do want to do things differently outside of the box, not just right. say, well, this is how it was done, so I'm just going to do it the same way. Or, or, you know, whatever it is, like just to think differently. That's, that's a great, I, I feel like that's a great asset to have as a parent or just a great skill to have to view the world open you know with an open mindset like i think this is a really you you hit the nail on the head when you said it's going to be a tricky episode because we're not trying to say that we had a bad childhood or that we we um suffered, suffered at the hands of our right. parents spanking and belts and wooden spoons and high heels thrown across the living room and potentially remotes. I'm not saying I went through any of that. <laughs> I might have, but I'm not I can't confirm or deny. Hopefully my mom doesn't listen to this and I hope you all don't call DHS on her. I'm not in her custody anymore. I'm an adult. <laughs> right. We love our parents. <laughs> It eventually turned into a game between my mom, me and my mom. Right. I intentionally annoyed her oh to the gosh. point that she. Would I could throw not. Things. I could not imagine being your parent. I was a hell yeah. I'm sorry. My mom. Your my mom, mom likes to say that I was a good kid. Your mom did the best that she could with what she had. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning That's you. Messed up. <laughs> so, <sighs> having that open mindset, having that growth <laughs> mindset, Blanca. Um, and, and wanting to take the things that your parents did and better yourself. And that's what mm-hmm. this is about. So alternatives to punishment. I am changing the spanking method. I'm not going to spank my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, everything we've done now has been effective for the most part, but we want to get better. Hence this book club and things that we are, are out of our realm, out of our knowledge base. Mm-hmm. We're looking for those answers. And with that, some takeaways from this chapter is I've really learned and I'm really seeing it in practice. My kid, like we, he's, he's me. He's my best friend, you know, Mateo and Elias. We, we talk, we, we treat each other the same, no judgment. We just, we just enjoy our day. Mm-hmm. And this chapter really showed me that when you disagree with someone, like when you and I disagree, mm-hmm. we usually talk it out. Right. We try to work through the problem. Where is the root of the problem? Um, what triggered us? What what caused this meltdown? And and we get through it. And this chapter talks about doing the exact same thing with That's your it. child, right? So this chapter, I really got out of it, like treating a child like your peer. Well, because as an example, if I do something that you don't like, you wouldn't you wouldn't say That's it. You're in timeout. Go to your room. I've tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> you know, or if. If a colleague at work does something that upsets you, um, you wouldn't punish them. Like That's it. Arrest yourself. Right. You, you just can't. <laughs> I don't know. Some people are into that punishment thing, but that's, that's what happens in the bedroom stays in their bedroom. Oh, my um, gosh. <laughs> and what I really also liked about this chapter is it, it, it answers some tough questions. One of the big ones is you've done what they've told you. You didn't spank. You didn't do any of these techniques. You acknowledged the feelings. You went through this, and they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. What do you do now? It answers that in this chapter. I'm not going to go directly to it because, you know, we're, we'll cover some highlights of this chapter, but you guys got to read it. 
and you'll find out. And it's really great. And and I think that when a book can answer questions that you immediately think of, I think it, it, it to me, it's a good book. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I, I think ultimately what we want, and I think it, in one of the questions, because it has a whole section of questions from parents at the end of each chapter, is, you know, if I don't punish my kid, then what? They're just going to feel like they can get away with anything. Right. Right. And the thing is, what we want, what all parents want, ultimately, is for our child to do the right thing. Right? Absolutely. To, to do the right thing. And to bow down no. before their leader, <laughs> which is me. We want them to do the right thing because it's the right thing. Not because somebody is watching over them. Not because somebody's going to punish them, not because, but because if they know that that's the right thing to do. Right. Right. And so it has to be an intrinsic motivation to do the right thing. They have to come up with, I want to do the right thing. That has to come from them, not from, uh, okay, is my mom watching me? Then I'm going to do the right thing because they're watching me, you know, Mm -hmm. because we're not going to be around forever. And we're not going to be around watching their every move forever. So back to the first paragraph of that chapter, it talks about how the change is difficult and how trying new things. But understanding that when you start recognizing that you messed up, oh, I should have said that. that. That's progress. Like you're seeing it firsthand like, oh, I should have done it this way. And if your kids are anything like ours, they'll repeat the process over and over, giving you multiple opportunities to finally get in the groove of, okay, I can do that. And that's an example they use in the book mm-hmm. about the light switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought of an example that comes up with bath time. Mateo has had a hard time wanting to go take a bath. And so at first, my my solution was like, well... I've told them, I reminded him, I'm going to acknowledge his feelings, but set the boundary and say, it's time to go to the bath and just carry him there when he's upset, you know. But recently, this problem solving thing of the given the two choices. Right. Because typically he's playing in his room and then we go take a bath and then we get to play again for a little bit before bedtime. Right. Right. Taking him away from the play area, not like as a punishment or anything, but let's go figure out our choices is what I'm saying. Taking him away from the distractions. Right, exactly. And we'll have, like talking to, to him make a without the distra- yeah. distractions. It's hard to think about anything else other than playing when you're in there. Right. You know? And so we walk away, we go to the hallway, we sit in the nugget, which he loves also. And we sit, and I say, it's, you're saying that you don't want to take a bath. If you don't want to take a bath, then we'll get in our PJs and go to bed right away. Right. Because you, you don't want to do bath. We'll just go to bed. Or you can take a quick bath and still have time to do our regular routine. Right. Those, and, are, those and, are your choices. And typically when he's in the bath, it's it's game over. Right. He likes it. It's just stopping what he's doing, you know, and having to change the course of what the play is or whatever his imagination has in mind, his goal to, Oh, go do this other thing. Right. So those choices have really helped him. And he sits there and thinks for a while. And sometimes he'll just say, I just want to sit here and talk about it. Right. And we'll just sit there and talk, but it's not a punishment. We're not sending him in time out or, you know, anything like that. We're just waiting for him to make a choice. Right. And that has been, Really working. Yeah, I, I've noticed you guys doing that. That was funny when I came out there and he was just sitting there. It's like, so what did we decide? He's like, nothing. I just want to talk. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> so the, the, and that's the beauty and uh, in, in, in understanding what that is. That's progress, right? It's not an immediate. It, we're not getting the kids to just be robots and listen to what we want Indeed, them to do. Yeah, especially yeah. the younger, the more time they need to process right. each request. And in the case of Mateo sitting there wanting to talk and weigh out his choices, I mean, that's some major decision-making. Mm-hmm. That's practicing and major decision-making when he's faced later on down the road with, okay, 
maybe difficult choices when he's amongst his peers mm-hmm. of let's just say they're doing something they shouldn't and he has to sit there and decide, do I want to continue doing this or being with them around this situation or do I want to do something that I know is not going to get me in trouble, even though that seems fun, mm-hmm. that that adrenaline, that that mystery of what could happen is like we're setting him up for major decision-making down the road. Right. And he's had practice making those decisions. Something I read in another book, or I don't remember if it was a TED talk or something, but it was that sometimes as parents, what we want is obedience, right? Like Mm -hmm. we want them to listen to us and want them to obey no matter what. Because it makes our life easier. Right. But we just want them to be obedient. Well, do you really want your child to be obedient when he's a teenager? Nope. To their peers? If their peers say to do something, you want them to be obedient? That's a good point. No. I like that. Like, I don't want my kid to be obedient. Right. I want him to make his own decisions that are in the best interest of everybody, including including himself and other people, thinking of other people too. Right. And knowing what the right thing is. But not just to blindly follow what I say to do because... I don't want him to blindly follow what anybody else tells him to do as he's older. Yeah, I agree. You know? I absolutely agree. And and the book also talks about, well, what if you are doing it right? What if you're saying everything this book is saying and you're, and, and I believe the last chapter I talked about that there, there's no cookie cutter way. That right. If, if this was 100% foolproof, every, everybody would be doing it. But it, it talks and it'd be a robot. <laughs> and it'd be a robot. But it talks about like, you know, when you're doing it right, when you're when you're following these steps and you're acknowledging feelings, you're you're um, working towards cooperation and now you gotta start getting into um, alternatives to punishment, you know, what if you're doing everything suggested and there's no change? You know, and it talks about like you were saying earlier, that if kids aren't punished then they'll get away with anything, right? Mm-hmm. And, and an example I like to use, and I'm, I apologize, mom and dad, but this I, th- I really want to bring this up because I think it's a great example, is with my brother. You know, they did a lot of things differently with him than they did with me. Mm-hmm. And, and not to get into too many details, there's a lot of other circumstances that caused their change in parenting behaviors and parenting choices. Um but at the end of the day, there was a lot of empty threats or when a consequence did come along, it was shortened. Like if the extent of the grounding, that's a common one people are familiar with, mm-hmm. whether or not it's right, right. It, whether or not it's punishment or not, like that, that's besides the point. Oh, I see. What I'm getting at is maybe he was grounded for a week. Well, two days would go by and he's the perfect little angel and all right, I, I'm just going to lift that grounding up. Mm-hmm. Now you are setting them up for false consequences, whether it is a punishment or an alternative. Um, you're setting them up for whatever happens. If as long as I'm really good during that time, whatever the consequences, I'll be afforded the privilege or the responsibilities I had prior to them being taken away. Yeah. And, and that's what Zach took advantage of. And, and, well, he, and he'll feel- tell you, he'll tell you firsthand that there are a lot of things he tried to get away with and used to his advantage mm-hmm. and ultimately led him down the road that he went. Now he's back on course, so everything's right. great. But those are things that are real. Well, and I think that it is a testament to punishment not working because he was only being good for a short amount of time to hopefully get out of his punishment, you know, but not because he truly was feeling bad about his decision and like, man, I'm, I'm really going to think about what I did. Right. You know, like I'm going to think about this and do better. (laughs) Like (laughs) It wasn't because of that. It was because he wanted to go do what he was doing already. You know, he wanted to continue doing what he wanted to do. And the book talks about what punishment actually, you know, brings. It brings it brings this like re- re- what they call revenge fantasies. Mm-hmm. And you know, in my head I'm like, man, that's pretty extreme to say. Right. In the book. Yeah. You know, I, I can't imagine Mateo at 3 years old thinking, well, when my dad goes to sleep, 
I'm going to take care of what I want. You know, that's what you think of revenge. I know, I know. But actually, the the way when you when you really look into it and you really dissect what the revenge fantasy is, it 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 takes a whole different toll. So I I kind of dug into that a little bit deeper, and I found this really cool article um, from PsychologyToday.com, and I'm going to read an excerpt of what I found. It says Robert, and I, I apologize if I mispronounce this name, Robert Biswas Diner a researcher and author on happiness asserts that to understand revenge, we need to talk about embitterment, which is a feeling that often gets overlooked. Embitterment is a sense of having been let down or victimized, which in a punishment, that's what we're doing. Right. Coupled with the desire to fight back, but because the person feels helpless, mm. they're your child. Mm-hmm. They, they feel helpless in right. whatever it is that's happening. It leads to fantasies of revenge or aggression. Mm-hmm. How many times have we punished our child and they lash out in some way mm-hmm. or shape or form? Or next time they hide what they're going to do and that starts down a path of lying about what they're doing mm-hmm. so they can go and explore the thing that they shouldn't have done. Right. Um, here we see embitterment as the feeling and revenge is what is acted out due to the feeling that gets evoked. And when you look at embitterment as a feeling and revenge as the act, it just makes complete sense. And in that, when you go back to chapter two and you start thinking of acknowledging feelings, if you accidentally or chapter go... Chapter th- two is... Um, or excuse me, chapter, chapter one, one. Uh-huh. and you start talking about recognizing feelings, if you're new to this and you're really trying to change your habits as a parent on how you approach these things and you do go through a punishment when you go back and you start at the base recognize the feeling of embitterment so that way you can cover the punishment side of things and then you can go uh you don't have to say oh you're you're going through embitterment right now i mean (laughs) i mean i i can't even give you the the basic form of in just embitter I mean, I, I don't know. It makes sense when I read it, mm-hmm. but I could, I don't know the word well enough to go through all that. Um, but you can really start tackling that, that emotion and that feeling mm-hmm. from that perspective and knowing that is progress to go back, start at the ground, work your way up mm-hmm. and get back on track. But I really think understanding that psychological aspect of it when it comes to punishment it really helps you kind of see clearly there. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I don't know what the, what your next point was, but I think it's almost punishments are on the same, in my opinion, the same side of the coin as rewards. Like you ultimately want your child to be intrinsically motivated, period. Mm-hmm. Not because you're going to give them a gold star and not because you're going to punish them otherwise and give take something away, but because they know that they, they want to do good things to other people or mm-hmm. they just want to do the right thing. No, absolutely. No. And a little, another thing that I looked up a long time ago, this was kind of before we had kids and we were talking about the decision whether to spank or not to spank. That was the question. Um, it was something that I had read and of course studies can be done in many different ways and data can be read to a certain extent to prove one thing over another or vice versa. So take it with a grain of salt. There's always something to prove. So take it with, (laughs) take it with a grain of salt. But I actually read that, um, spanking, what was it? Spanking wasn't beneficial, but it wasn't negative. And in my head, I'm like, well, if it's not beneficial and it's not negative, then why do it at all? Right. Like they, they found that kids that were spanked that turned out well and kids that weren't spanked still turned out well. One of the common denominators there was communication mm-hmm. of the parents. So mm-hmm. the parent would spank and then explain where that spank came from and why. Right. Now, um, I don't know if there is a study done on spanking without a follow-up. 
Um, that would be something to look into, but it's just interesting. So if spanking isn't beneficial or negative towards the child's development, as long as there's that communication, then why do it at all? Right. And that's how I look at it. That, that was kind of one of the things that helped me decide, yeah. okay, I'm not going to spank the kid. Right. And I think in here, it's not talking about just spanking. It's talking about punishments in general. Right. Like but I think spanking timeouts or, yeah. or grounded or things like that. Really having natural consequences and a lot of the times those are not possible. So mm -hmm. you have to come up with a logical consequence. But ultimately, like we were talking about in the beginning, is respecting your child as a peer and saying, okay, here's what happened. What can we do about it? Like there's the example of the saw that was left out and it, mm -hmm. it got rusted. How would you talk to a friend about that? Like, oh my gosh. Like, hey, can you clean that? Can you help me clean it up? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a great segue into going over the examples or the alternatives to mm -hmm. punishment. So number one, we'll just kind of go back and forth. I'll read yeah. the first one. You can read the second one. Okay. So number one, you know, point out a way to be helpful. Mm -hmm. If if your child in the book, I'll, I'll kind of go over some of the book examples because it's easier for listeners uh for mm -hmm. you guys to follow along mm -hmm. uh child's running around if you point out a well way to be helpful to get them to stop running around would be like hey and we'll use our kids names mateo you want to help me pick some good fruit for mm. for lunch mm -hmm. you know do you want to help do you want to be a part of this experience mm -hmm. um help me pick out some fruit which apples look the best mm -hmm. which lemons look the best yeah children love feeling like they are helping mm -hmm. Being helpers. They right. really do. And number two. Um, express strong disapproval without attacking character. <laughs> That's important. That part. That I think that reminds <laughs> me of the example from last last week when I told Mateo, and if you didn't listen to that chapter, well, you should have. Go back to the beginning and start from, from the top. But just a refresher. We were in the in the nugget car wash. Yeah. <laughs> And Mateo, Elias was right next to Mateo, and Mateo wanted him to move out of the way, and he used his foot to... Uh, Spartan kick him out of the way? Yeah. Not... He didn't... It, maybe, it wasn't hard, but to me, like, any time... Which, that's one of your triggers yeah. is... Like, when um, they... Yeah. Yeah. John thinks that it's because I'm an only child, and I never really experienced that sibling love <laughs> sibling rivalry rivalry and so it really gets under my skin but i said i expressed strong disapproval without attacking character i didn't say you well, hit your brother or anything like that i said i don't like it when my babies are hurt well i, I don't think i said that I don't like it when somebody hurts my babies, yes. is what I said. Yeah, that's, I remember you telling me that. So I didn't say, you, Mateo, hit Elias, or... You used a very right. general term. Right. Like, anyone who hurts my babies makes me mad. Like, that makes me mad. <laughs> and so, it's an example. And how did that go? He, he, like, you could tell he was like, oh, yeah, I won't do that. Has he done it since? Mm-mm. Hmm. So it worked. I guess. Yeah, it's a win. Ding, ding, ding. It worked for now. <laughs> for now. Um, number three, state your expectations. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite examples on expectations is when we're out in the street. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think we did this one naturally early on. Uh, and that was, you know, pointing out cars driving. I don't think Mateo quite understands how dangerous it is, mm -hmm. but he understands the rules of the road. He understands that a stop sign means a car has to stop. And he says, that car didn't stop when they roll through a stop sign. And I tell him, well, let's run back and get my ticket book. I'm just kidding. We don't do that. <laughs> um, but he, he, he knows our expectations are if a car is coming towards you, we should get out of the street and onto the grass. Mm -hmm. And that way the car has the complete road to drive. Mm -hmm. And we established that expectation early on because, you know, the other day we were out there riding scooters. And when we were on a cross section, so he didn't, he wasn't out in the main road. 
And he goes, where are the cars? As we got closer, mm-hmm. and then we saw the cars, and we started counting cars. Like, he understands what that expectation is. Right. So, you know, stating your expectations. And when you are to this point of um, alternatives to punishment, stating your expectations doesn't have to be done in a stern voice. You know, it, it can be something that you develop over time, like we did with Mateo. Mm-hmm. If Mateo, um, for instance, tools. I tell him all the time, I was like, Mateo, I left that out. If you want to play with it, this is what we got to do. But like I tell him, I, I'm just up front with him. It's a dangerous tool. Mm-hmm. And I sh- if it's a power tool, I show him how it works before he even touches it. Mm-hmm. And usually that gets him to be like, nah. Yeah, he's not really into it. He, he's not ready for those yet. Right. But, but let, being real with him mm-hmm. on what it like when I was fixing his shelf, same with the tools, mm-hmm. like just letting him know what to expect and what my expectations are. Well, I think that there's an example there when he, you were building Elias's shelf, our expectations, if he's going to help, what are your expectations? Right. Tell us. Oh, what are my <laughs> expectations? Yeah. Um, Cause remember he started right. playing with something. Right. Or if, I don't if, remember he's, what it was. if he's going to help, he has to help. If not, he can't be around because the tools are dangerous and right. I don't want, um, you know, just being maybe he takes just a screw working. and leaves it right. on the floor where Leah's is or right. yeah it's just a lot of small sharp spots mm-hmm. so they have to stay around us and we have a little cup or we'll have some kind of container for the screws but yeah you're absolutely right he follows those rules or he can't be in the room while we build mm-hmm. and if he wanted to play I mean I think he did want to play and he ended up leaving like he knew what the expectations were right and it didn't require any firm conversation it was this is how it's going to be Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Number four. Um, number four. Show the child how to make amends. I think the example was the one of the child who left the saw mm-hmm. out and it was rusted. So the dad said, This needs some steel wool and some elbow grease. Right. So that's how I you question can... the dad's logic though, because depending on the type of steel would determine the route that they would take to get rid of the rust. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> What? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm just, I'm giving the dad crap. That's all I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> Next. <laughs> um, number five, offer a choice, which you so eloquently provided us an example earlier. For bath. Um, for bath. But you know what Mateo has started saying is, <laughs> no, no quiero, for example, no quiero ni bañera ni ducha. Oh my gosh. And when, it's so funny because I don't think he knows how to say, I don't want either or, either. I, I don't want either or. Either or. See, I don't even know. So he'll say in English, when he's at, talking to you, he'll say, I don't want knee bath, knee shower. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually reminds me because Mateo is. He's he's the negotiator. He's becoming the negotiator for sure. Um, there's a book called, um, or not a book, there's a movie called Mr. Nobody. And mm. it's with Jared Leto. If you guys are fans of 30 Seconds to Mars, he's the actor, Lord no. of War. Well, mm-hmm. Mr. Nobody's a weird flick, and it's, it's, it's I like the f- film. It was mm-hmm. awesome. And I like Jared Leto as an actor. He's done some great movies like Dallas Buyers Club. Um, but... In hopefully I'm not giving any spoilers away, but at the very end of the movie is literally the beginning of the movie talking about choice mm-hmm. and his parents split. So he had the choice to go with mom and he had the choice to go with dad. And then with those choices throughout life, there's other choices that lead to different right, things paths. in the movie. Um, so the whole movie is basically his mind playing out. Oh, which choice he should... Yeah, what what would happen if I go with mom or what would happen if I go with dad? At the very end of the movie, it's, well, what if I choose neither? Mm. And it's him running down a path away from mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of the movie. Of course, he's a kid, so one of them's going to pick them up. But that's a whole other... I'm not a movie critic or a movie. <laughs> I know. Or he just gets lost in the woods and dies like of hyperthermia or, or something. Or he's raised by wolves. Or, yeah, dances with wolves. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're not here for a movie critic, um, and I'm a terrible <laughs> one at that. 
but it's a great movie, and I just think that's funny because that's what Mateo reminds me of. He's just like, hmm. I'll take this other uh, way. Uh, what's behind door number one? What's behind door number two? I'll take what's the behind window. door number three. No, he'll be like, I'll take the window. <laughs> well, what's under the desk? <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what it is. Well, what's in your pocket? I'll take that. Uh, number six. Take action. So sometimes even you give a choice, you point out how to be helpful and none of it works, then you have to take action. And that's what, like picking him like, up and just taking him to the bath? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that I guess that is taking that's action. That's taking action. Yeah, and I've done that. I'm glad we found an alternative of going to make a choice, you know, at a different in a different location. So that's just trying out different strategies. But sometimes, I think I think the what? example they use in the book is really good. The grocery though. store? No. Yes. Uh huh. So it, it, I think it stems from the kid running back and forth, like, "Here's your choices," mm-hmm. um, and didn't work and the action was it looks like he chose to sit in the cart and she, she picks him up, up puts him in the cart mm-hmm. so i i don't know how to further explain that but that makes sense to me yeah and i think if the child's really out of control your choice would be to leave the store right even if you're almost done grocery shopping don't like you have to set a boundary right you know especially if you've if you've shown your like if you've expressed your expectations and you've they know they know what you need what they need to do and they're still not doing it and maybe it's not safe like they were saying in the book like maybe there's an older lady that was well, that just, there, it, it's just the disturbance to the other peaceful yeah. shoppers. Yeah. You have to, you have to be respectful to other people. That's one of the things that I've, I'm really loving about the Montessori approach. It takes into account everybody, mm-hmm. you know, not just a single child and, Oh, well, if he's enjoying this activity of throwing things, it's something that he really needs. Well, other children are focused in this, in their own activities. So it's part of it is keeping the peace, keeping a calm environment so that everybody can work in harmony. Right. You know, so. Absolutely. I love that. Number seven, let the child experience consequence, Mm -hmm. which I'm going to ask you listeners for help on this one. Because the book talks about people getting creative. My creativity bubble has popped and I can't figure out how to go about this. But whenever Mateo's not playing with one of the toys and Aaliyah starts playing with that toy, Mateo will run and snatch it out of his hand. And we've tried everything from, you know, just saying exactly, don't do that. Don't take it out of your brother's hands. And we've talked a little bit about sharing. Like, Mateo, he's he's playing with it right now. You were not playing with it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is I can't take that toy away from him as a natural consequence because it can't be shared amongst his two because it hurts Elias when Elias wants to play with it. But that, that's to, not a natural consequence. If you well, take the it, natural consequence is he he if he can't if he can't handle that that specific toy. Go ahead. Finish. Like, yeah. He in my mind is like well. You shouldn't have the privilege to play with that. But you're choosing that. That means it's not a natural consequence. Natural consequences are things that happen without you doing anything. So your child, let me let me, let me explain it. He doesn't have to get no. annoyed by Mateo <laughs> crying because he took it from him. It doesn't bother him. No. But listen, like, if your child forgets his homework, right? I don't want to get on that subject, but okay. Okay, if your child had to do homework, (laughs) has an assignment, has something important that they need to take to school, right? Right. Show and tell, okay? (laughs) They forget their show and tell bag, right? Right. Instead of running the natural consequence is... They don't get to show. They they don't get to show or tell. Or tell. (laughs) Well, they can tell that they didn't bring anything to show. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But that is a natural consequence. Another one. Child decides that he doesn't want to wear a coat. Well, some it depends on the temperature. Okay. Safety is Safety's first. first. Safety is okay, first. Okay, so that's probably not a good... A rain good. jacket in the summer when it's raining. Yeah. 
Exactly. Um, natural consequence, you're soaked. Yeah. There are some things that you can allow natural consequences to happen. Obviously, if your child wants to run into the street, you can't allow the natural consequence, which would be that get hit by a car. Yes. Right? But that is a natural consequence. When What you were talking about is a logical consequence. I'm so logical. Why? <laughs> Why? But I don't even know if that's that would be a logical consequence either. Maybe uh, this maybe math get... of this book sometimes gets a little <laughs> skewed. I thought I had this chapter down, but it, clearly I still got work. <laughs> well, if you allow the child to experience the consequences, then they're talking about natural consequences. Right. They're not talking about something that you impose on them. Well, I guess I'll just have to resort to spanking. <laughs> <laughs> but logical, like logical consequence is... Like the example of the dad that locked his that could tools. lock like those those are an example. But he's choosing to lock it. I know that's a logical consequence. I guess so. I'm locking my tools because I don't want them to get ruined. Like that's a logical consequence. That's not a natural consequence. Like for that, where the kid keeps borrowing the tools and forgetting to return them, there's really no natural consequence. Logically, if I take the toy away. Mateo can't play with it and therefore can't take it away from his brother because it technically doesn't exist. But the brother who was using it doesn't have it either. But he won't know he doesn't have it. Yes, he will. Not the next day. Oh, in the moment he does. <laughs> yeah, we're struggling with that. I I think the main the main thing I focus on is saying... It was in Elias's hand. I'm going to give it back to him. Right. When he is not touched, like when he is not using it. Yeah. Well, when I know. tried it, I, I, I got to remember the totality of the circumstance here. Mateo was sick and everything bothered him. Mm-hmm. So I got to, I guess I kind of got to let it slide. So our kids are going to learn that when they're sick, they can get away with things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh okay well then of course it's fine it's perfectly fine um but yeah i can't think of other what are some other examples of allowing the natural consequence in the book uh, the natural consequence in the book he he the only one they do in the book is the uh is the logical lock the box hmm. so no, but, no 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 there is one um where the mom Go shopping, Go shopping without, without, the, without the kid. That's right. That, I, that's not really a natural concept. Well, I mean, it no, is. It's logical because it's logical. she has to shop right. for their food. Right. But knowing that if she took her child who is misbehaving, and yeah. she explains there will be other opportunities mm-hmm. for you to yeah. um, remedy I like the that. situation. I like that too. And I think this whole chapter really goes al- along with another book that I really like that it's called The Explosive Child. I don't love the title because it's really hard to recommend the book. We had an explosive child these past couple of days. <laughs> and what I mean is in the toilet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> gotcha. I, I don't like the, the name of the book because it's hard to recommend it. Like, here, read this book for your child. It's called The Explosive Child. Like, I don't know. It's like it's, you're insulting them immediately. Yeah, I don't like that. But... Where it talks about in this chapter about problem solving. That's everything that other book refers to. Right. And so it always talks about coming up with a plan in the other book. I'm sorry that I'm bringing up another book, but coming up with a plan together. And at the end of you coming up with the plan, you say, we'll try this out. It may not work. And if it doesn't work, we can try something else. So it's the same idea that the mom said there will be more opportunities. This right. is not like you're never, I'm never taking you to the store because you can't listen the, or whatever. Oh, that's it a is. different book. That's called The Explosive Parent. <laughs> right. No. It, and Which was you this week. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. There are complex situations. For instance, the constant misbehavior. Maybe they're good for a minute and then they stop and they go back to old habits. Well, there are some there are some things when we go through these steps of problem solving, even then your kid may continue. And and it's like, well, what then? 
The book actually says at this point, when you've gone through a lot of these different examples and different skill sets and things like that, when you start hitting a rut, and I like that they put it in chapter three Mm -hmm. early on, when you get into all these practices and nothing is working, you might want to seek a professional Mm -hmm. in the realm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can only get so much from a book, but eventually if you want to go further, you're going to have to pay for private sessions of a psychologist or a counselor or things like that, that could actually maybe find a deeper rooted issue Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than what most children's issues are, which are service level. Right. Yeah. And I, and ultimately this book is uh, written for typically developing children. Right. So certainly this won't work for everybody, but I think, Part of the reason that it's sold more than 3 million copies. Did you count them? That's right there on the, oh, on the cover. Oh, oh, okay. More than 3 million copies sold. Oh. You know, it's a testament to the value and, and how helpful it really is. Right. Not only to relationships with children, as we've talked about in the past, but just relationships with each other, with people in, in general. Mm-hmm. So let's get on to the constant misbehaving, falling back onto old habits before contacting a professional, what are some ways we can problem solve? One of them talks about the number one step is talk about your child's feelings and needs. Hmm. Does that sound familiar? Talking about your child's feelings, chapter one, acknowledging feelings. And I've really got a lot of work to do. And number two is talk about your feelings Mm -hmm. as the parent Mm -hmm. and your needs. Mm -hmm. Again, this is peer to peer. I'm talking to you, Danielle. Like Like, we want to find a common. This is what I'm feeling tonight. Like I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed. This is what I need. I need like 30 minutes to myself to breathe, you know, whatever, whatever it is, like just be honest. Right. And then your response could easily be, I see you are struggling right now emotionally. You're overwhelmed with a lot of the stress that's going on with, you know, our house, for instance. I will give you that space that you need. Mm-hmm. I will give that in return. And now, granted, we don't go through all the steps, but right. like just that right there, acknowledging each other's feelings mm-hmm. and our acknowledging each other's needs in the moment really makes for a relationship to grow and prosper. Right. You know, this whole problem-solving section is literally plan B from uh, The Explosive Child, which makes me think. Are they the same authors? No, which makes me think. There's something to it. Robert Greene read this book. Or they (laughs) read Robert Greene. No. Oh. This is definitely older than, than that one. Maybe. It is. No, maybe he read that. Yeah. So what's number three? Number three is to brainstorm to find a mutually agreeable solution. So make a list. Like, okay, for example. Which um, is step number four, by the way. That's step number three. Oh, right ideas. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I do this all the time. Like, we do this at school so many times. Well, we And right now we're doing plans because when he wants to do something. Yeah, he'll be like, this is my plan. But But the good thing about that Mm -hmm. is once it's written down and it was his idea, he, he's almost in a sense obligated to follow his own idea. Right. True. Remember, Mateo, this is what you said. Right. Like like I'm pointing, look. I think some, in a place that we're lacking there is that we're like, okay, that's your plan. And we go along with it. Well, we're not, we're skipping step two, which is talking about our feelings. Most of the time it doesn't really affect us. But the plan is just a plan. Like we're not trying to accomplish anything. Yeah, this isn't related to a a problem solving. Yeah, we're not at problem solving when we're doing a plan. Right. But I'll give you an example of, this was years ago when I first implemented plan B from the explosive child. But this, it's the same problem solving technique. We had a child who was getting very upset. He, there were siblings that went to our preschool. So the boy, boy and sister, or brother and sister, brother wanted to sit with his sister. All the girls wanted to sit with the sister. So there wasn't enough room at the table for him to sit. And once they, once the girls realized that this was a big deal to him, they were like, oh, 
we're going to rush to the table, make sure he doesn't get a spot. Because they were getting a reaction from from right, that, and that's right. always children. If they get a big reaction, they're gonna do it more. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you want your child to stop doing something, be super boring about it. Oh, the bigger, no. <laughs> no, seriously, like the bigger deal you make out the of bigger it, response. They're like, oh, whoa, that was interesting, huh? Let's do it again. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, he was getting so upset to the point where he wasn't even eating lunch, and then. It, it would just turn into the giant meltdown about not being able to sit with his sister. At a different time, and this is something they talk about here, not in the moment. You do not want to problem solve in the moment. No. You want to find a time where everyone's in a good mood and say, hey, can I talk to you about something? So I said, hey, I noticed that you get really upset if you don't get to sit by your, by your sister. What's up? Just like that. And so he would say, well, I just, I love her and I want to sit by her. And then all the girls, blah, blah. I said, well, here's the deal. We have to eat during this certain time. And if you don't eat during that certain time, then we have to go to the other classroom and, you know, just kind of explain to him, like, this is our time to eat. So what do you think we can do? So I started throwing out ideas like we could do this, we could do that. He threw out some ideas. He came out with this thing that I could have never come up with he said i want to write a sign and put it by my in my garage and i want to say i wanted to say i don't want to sit next to sophie i was like okay and i kind of asked him more questions he said that way when i walk out and in the morning i can look at it and remind myself that i don't want to sit next to her i think he just meant not that he didn't want to, but that it was okay. Right. He, he was, he was right. like confirmation right. within himself. Exactly. And so he, we said that. And then I, I said, I thought to myself, well, he's probably going to forget by the time he gets to school. So I said, oh, that sounds like a great idea. How about we make two signs? We'll make one for your garage and then one for the uh, lunchroom. And that way you can see them in both places. And he said, okay. So that was his idea. I just tweaked it a little bit. He didn't read at the time. But the minute he got in the lunchroom, he asked another teacher to read it to him. And then he went and sat at a different table. That was his idea. Like problem solving with the kids is is amazing. You have to be open to things that are like, what? And that's what it says (laughs) in the book. It says without judgment or without um, evaluating each other's ideas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the book actually does say that. Just write them down. And then you can do a process of elimination. What you like, what they don't like, Mm -hmm. what you don't like. and, And obviously they have to be compromisable. Like you're teaching them how to essentially compromise. Like... I don't like this, but I do like your idea here. Right. And they're going to say, well, I don't like that idea, but I can deal with that. And, mm-hmm. and you start working together right. on a plan. Um, and in their example, they talk about the kid that keeps coming home late mm-hmm. at night. So, and, and I thought it was a, I thought it was well put together as far as how to come up with creative ideas to mm-hmm. correct or problem solve a reoccurring issue. Mm-hmm. So. And like I said, the closer you can get to, obviously not just follow their idea, it has to work for you as well and the whole family. Right. I think it has to work for anybody involved. But if at all possible, you can follow a big part of their idea, it's going to be, it's going to work. And again, you can end the problem solving session with, we're going to try this. This is our plan. We're going to try it out. It might not work. Maybe it's a compound plan. Maybe there's a couple ideas that can actually work in conjunction. Exactly. Because that's what the book does. It says, well, how about this? I moved in or back 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. You need to get your, you said you need to fix your watch. Well, you don't have any money, but you said you have $4. So we'll, dad and I will pitch in the rest with your $4 mm-hmm. to get your watch fixed. And, and they're like putting on two things. Mm-hmm. You know, they're working together to make it, make it happen. Right. So yeah, absolutely. No, I really like that. And that, when you think about it, that is such a valuable lesson. Problem solving. Yes. Yeah. Like to take the time, and I know a lot of these strategies may seem like, well, I don't have the time to do this. And I think it was in a completely different episode that we talked about this. But you either spend the time teaching these skills, uh, preparing your child for what's coming up next, or whatever it is, or you spend the time in the meltdown over and over and over again. Right. 
And, and, and the thing that we talked about and the, one of the things we always talk about as well is if parenting is, if you're, if you're doing, if you're really focusing on all this and this is hard, you're doing it right. Yeah. Parenting is not easy in general, mm-hmm. but effective, intentional parenting is hard. Is exhausting. Yes. Sometimes you get multiple days of just four hours of sleep with two hour intervals. You sleep for two hours, wake up, you help out, you go back to sleep, sleep for two hours, and you're up for the rest of the day. <laughs> you go to work, come home, sleep for two hours. <laughs> yeah. But, but aside from sleep, it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the sleep part. Yeah. Especially if you're someone that really enjoys sleep. <laughs> Luckily, you're married to someone who doesn't. Like, well. You don't. You don't even want to take a nap. I have to force you to nap. Yeah. Like, I literally put you in a headlock and choke you out until you fall asleep. Yep. <laughs> and I'm still like, hi. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, um, at the end of the book, they do talk about some major questions. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I said, solving complex problems may require professionals as well. And I really wanted to read the uh, example from the first um, little insert that they have there. And uh, it was, if a small child doesn't talk yet, touches something he shouldn't, is it all right to slap? Slap their little hand, like, get your hand out of the cookie jar. What I really like is what I underline in this book, and it says, she can treat the child as a dignified, small human being. And that's where I get this whole Mm -hmm. idea of treating them like your peers. Right. I mean, if you truly want to be the parent that's like your child's best friend, you well, know, you know, right. You you know what I'm getting at. Like, right. you can't be their best friend. Mm-hmm. You can, but it's not in the sense that you think. I'm. I sometimes when me and my dad are out and we're just hanging out, like I'm like, man, this is my best friend. But it came with his parenting styles at the time, a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifices mm-hmm. to get to this point to where he can just talk to his son like, "What's up, dude?" Instead of "Stop doing that," you know. <laughs> Things like that. And and that's what I really liked about that. Uh, For number one, questions about punishment. If a small child doesn't talk and touches something they shouldn't, is it all right to slap their hand? I don't slap your hand. You slap me, but I don't slap you. What? And and like, think about your best friend. Aside from them reaching over. They came over and. Yeah, aside from them reaching over to grab your fries, you're not going (laughs) to slap their hand. And And it even goes on to say. As a parent, you know, you may need to repeat the same information many times, Mm -hmm. but a repeated information conveys a far different message than repeated slaps. Mm. Wow. And that's that's just the number one. Yeah. The the rest is just as gold. (laughs) Powerful stuff. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's so true. I've, I actually heard Mateo say the other day, I'm not going to grab it. He was, he was playing with Elias and he was like, I'm not going to grab it. Grab it from him. And it was in <laughs> Spanish. But it was the exact vocabulary that we that we used to tell him. Right. And it seems to us like we're like saying over and over mm-hmm. and over again. But that's what it takes. It yeah. takes time for them to hear it. Absolutely. Process it. And then implement it. <laughs> yeah. There's more examples in there. Again, I don't... We're not here to read the entire book, but to get the highlights out of the chapters as we mm-hmm. go along things that we really liked and things that really stuck out to us as parents and to kind of go over the examples that we're trying to implement in our own home. Mm -hmm. Um, Because obviously the things that highlight that stand out to us are going to be things that are effective with us. Right. Um, So make sure you, you all are reading along with the book, implementing these practices and techniques. Tell us how you're doing. Yeah. Or if there's like just a funny example or maybe a, an idea that your child came up in in a problem solving session that's just way out of <laughs> yeah that the book talks about creative things children yeah. come up with and creative things parents come up with so we want to see your creativity on what you guys are working with and how you're getting along with everything and you, you know you mentioned something earlier where do i find the time for this there's no such thing uh you just you just you make time you don't find the time you make time yeah. and that is intentional parenting that's all i got to say about that well all i have to say is that ultimately i think i'm just i'm repeating myself from earlier but this is important we want our children 
to be intrinsically motivated to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And punishments don't get us there. Right on. And that's all I have to say about that. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Joke? I guess it is that time. So did you hear about the new job opening out at Sprouts? Sprouts is a supermarket, a local supermarket um, across the street from where we live. No, I didn't. What was that? No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I had not heard. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of a weird position, but they're wanting to pay you in vegetables. What? Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to get along in life making that type of celery. <laughs> but I'm... Oh, why am I such a dork? I don't know. I don't know either. either. Well, comments, concerns, questions, general consensus about the world or universe around us. No. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening in. We love you all. Thank you guys for sharing all your wonderful uh, stories, examples, and any questions you have, direct them towards us. We'll try to answer them. With that being said, adios. Raising bilingual children can be a challenge. Our program makes it possible by providing a fun, easy-to-use guide for parents. This guide will teach you how and when to use Spanish at home in order to make the most of your time together as a family. We provide you with everything you need to know about raising bilingual children, including storytime videos, songs, activities, and more. All of our content is designed specifically for families and will help you speak Spanish with your child from birth through age six, all while having fun. Head over to bilingualfamily.us and click on Español Juntos to get started. Con amor, Daniela.